everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. I'm Joy Ann Reed. What's up, cousin? I'm good, cousin. You're looking quite fetching today. Fresh off the set of AM Joy. Fresh off the set. I tried to wear some green to try to spring it up since it's chilly spring. It was very pretty. It is very pretty. I enjoyed your show today. Thank you very much. It's very good. As usual. And it's fun doing this on a Saturday. I know we normally don't do Saturdays, but so this is a little different. That feels more casual for some reason. Does it? Doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I guess for you, because you're coming off the heels of all the in-depth politics and all of that. Now we're going to talk about scandal and Walking Dead and all those things. It's such a relief. I know. I know it must be. Well, you got to give me your wine down because we are drinking our favorite thing. So so our mutual favorite cocktails, those of you who listen to the podcast know, is Prosecco and St. Germain, which I got from my cousin Jackie Reed. Clink, clink. Clinkity, clink, clink, clink. And um, I love it. And you love it. And this Mm -hmm. is what we drink. Uh, As a matter of fact, Brianna, who produces the podcast, warned me that the St. Germain in my office, which is what we have right now, Right now is not to be taken to my house. Right. Because, because I would appropriate it if I had the chance. Yes, because where did that St. Germain come from? Oh, no. I'm, uh, it came from St. Germain. But you know what? No, what? no, this is mine. Oh, is it yours? <laughs> yes, this is from my house. Is that from your house? Yes. I'm sorry. I would have taken that I home. kept it in your, I'm keeping it in your office. Wow. To keep it away show. from yourself. Yes. Can I tell you how ratchet I am? I have literally gone down to, I, you know, I live in ungentrified Brooklyn. So I have gone down to the <laughs> liquor store with the bulletproof glass yes. at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And they have St. Germain? They don't have St. Germain, but I have St. Germain and no Prosecco. Oh. So I go down and I go get my Martini and Rossi, mm, you know, mm. and, and, and just pop it like a side. Who we are drinking today. Yes. Martini and Rossi Prosecco. Yes. With a splash of St. Germain. Absolutely. You like a little more St. Germain than I do. I Yeah, I like a little sweeter. I like a, like a, yes. Okay. Yes. okay. So let's wind it down, Kazo. Yes. So Lots to talk on? about. Give me your wind down. So, you know, there were so many things that I wanted to talk about. And then, well, there's Sophia Nelson, call, Nelson calling me now. Oh. Let me just mute that. I'll call her after we record. Okay. So I was going to talk about so many other things, and I don't know if I'll have time for it, because there's a bit of a Twitter beef going on. And it started with an interview that I uh, conducted on Friday on my segment of the Tom Joyner Morning Show, Inside Her Story. Okay. And it is between... Um, the Me Too, hashtag Me Too founder, Tarana Burke. Okay. And journalist, lawyer, author, um, Sophia Nelson. Yep. And Sophia was a guest on my show to talk about the latest allegations against R. Kelly. And within that um, interview, she kind of said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing. Okay. The, you know, the Me Too movement needs to do more than just be on the cover of Time magazine. Mm. They need to do more to help uh, black women and black girls dealing with situations like R. Kelly, but particularly in situations like the R. Kelly um, scandal. Yeah. And um, in in that interview, even though I know Tarana and Tarana and I have had in-depth conversations about R. Kelly and how passionate she is about that and the fact that. The whole Me Too movement started 10 years ago, um, you know, with Tarana trying to put the voices of black women and black girls out there who have been victims of abuse. So that's basically the basis of why she started this organization. Okay. In the interview, so much is going on when I'm doing Tom Joyner. Um, It's not just me interviewing the the guest, even though I bring them on. Tom chimes in, Sybil chimes in, and, you know, if there are other people in the room, in the studio, they chime in as well. Mm -hmm. I did not have the opportunity, or I did not take the opportunity, I should say, regretfully, to kind of say, hey, wait a minute, just so you know, Tarana has done this work. She's very passionate about what's going on with the victims um, of R. Kelly and so on and so forth. Um, 
And that's unfortunate. It was definitely a missed opportunity on my part to say something. But I think Sophia's point is that right now in the present time, I don't right. think she's talking about the foundation of the Me Too movement, but she's saying, and I talked to her this morning about this. She's saying, listen, I reached out to Me Too and other organizations, um, Time's Up, and I'm asking them specifically for help with this R. Kelly situation, yep. giving it more of a voice, giving it more traction in mainstream media, which, you know, yeah. it does not have at all. Um, and so that's what Sophia was saying. I think it was unfortunate for her to directly point fingers at the Me Too movement. Yeah. And Tarana took offense to that. Yep. And so what happened was Tarana responded to that interview on Twitter. And so the two are going back and forth on Twitter. And I would love to see, because I love both of these women and I respect both of them, yeah. for them to take this conversation. And because they're both powerful and resourceful women totally, with very strong voices and something important to say, I'd love to see them come together and take all of that yeah. and put it towards taking down R. Kelly for yeah. once and for all. That's what I would love to see. I mean, it was a missed opportunity for me to defend um, Tarana, but I don't think Sophia in that moment was trying to say nothing that you do is about black women, uh, me too movement. Yeah. She was trying to say, listen, we need some help with this R Kelly thing because at this very moment, Sophia is directly on the front lines trying to, she's working with the attorney okay. of this girl with the latest accusations against R Kelly. Mm. Like she's really, um, on the front lines of this particular fight. Right. Um, and so she's very passionate, but I think, what could come of this is the two of them coming together. Well, I hope they can come together. And I'll just read you one tweet um, that Tarana, um, you know, she talked about yesterday on the Tarana Joyner Morning Show. Um, she said that Sophia um, essentially saw fit to call her out saying, I, this is Tarana tweeting, need to stop, step it up and start, uh, all caps, giving a voice to black women and young women's issues around sexual violence in this country. She went on to say, she said, meaning she's talking about Sophia Nelson, being on magazine covers and all was nice, but myself and other black women in the hashtag Me Too movement weren't doing enough for black women and girls, particularly around R. Kelly. And I will say that, you know, Tarana is a friend of the podcast. Yes, she is. She was one of our favorite yep. interviews that we've done on this podcast. And and I am uh, a huge, um, I, I respect her so much. I, I ran into too. her at the National Action Network and she's just done so much. She was at the Variety Women's Luncheon, Women in Power Luncheon. And she really, you know, as the person who founded the hashtag Me Too movement has really really, you know, created a revolution of women recognizing their power. And Sophia, longtime uh, person that I've known, friend, um, she was a great contributor at the GRIO. We loved publishing her. Um, so I hope, and I think what we should do is, because these are both your friends, very, very yes. much so, and they're yeah. both our friends. We love these two women. Yeah. We would love to have Tarana and Sophia come on the podcast. Let's all sit down, drink Prosecco and St. Germain together. Yes, yes, ladies. Prosecco and St. Germain makes friends. Yes, and let's it does. all sit down have some Prosecco and St. Germain, have a cocktail together. We would love for both of you to come on the podcast. And let's yes, talk about it. I would love that because I get it. I mean, I am very frustrated about R. Kelly um, and well, what is going on with him and how he is and how, you know, in, in preparation for that interview that I did on Friday with Sophia about these latest charges, I went on R. Kelly's um, social media just to kind of look around and he's on tour right now with yeah. the whole Mother's Day tour or Which something that crazy. he's doing. But he has a, a video um, of a series of black women saying how much they like, and older black women, not young black women, yeah. you know, these are mothers and grandmothers saying how much they love, who grew up on his music, of course. Um, love R. Kelly and love what he does. And oh, it was the greatest concert ever and celebrating him. And I think 
I, I, I would not be surprised if it was intentional for marketing from R. Kelly's camp to have went woman after woman after woman after yeah. woman praising him. You know, but there's also videos with him and DJ Khaled. There's a picture of him and Mariah Carey, even though I don't know how old that video is or how old the photo of him and Mariah are. But I I would say that there are a lot of folks, without specifically calling out DJ Khaled or Mariah Carey, I'm not really saying them, that people in the, in the industry do need to stand up against this man. Yeah, What he is doing is... It's outrageous, and it breaks my heart that there. When we, I did the story on Tom Joyner on Friday. Yeah, you would be shocked by the number of listeners who texted in because we take texts. Sure. Um, in defense of R. Kelly. Oh yeah, I it is him. crazy no, to me. I get it. if I if you say anything, Bill Cosby and R. Kelly still retain such strong support among black women who will defend them. And I remember you personally, Cousin Jackie Reed, um, when I was planning my birthday party, which is, you know, I don't normally throw birthday parties. This was like my epic birthday party of all time. Yes. And you saying, I know you're not going to have no R. Kelly on that playlist. Yes. And we had this conversation. You know, I love Step in the Name of Love. It's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite songs of all time. I love I Believe I Can Fly. When I was working as a freelancer in Miami, well, you know, when I was working freelance in Miami, it was a part, it was a period of my life when I I was very uncertain when I was literally like stepping out on faith. I had quit my job at MSNBC really was, you know, income wise. Jason was like, really, really, you know, and he he had a great job, but it was like, we were sort of, you know, we're trying to keep a household together. We have yeah. three kids and I really stepped out on faith and I would literally wake up every morning and play. I believe I can fly to yeah. inspire myself. Yeah. So R. Kelly is a genius when it comes to his music, but I literally cut R. Kelly cold turkey. Yeah. No more I believe I can fly. No more step in the name of love. And we had this conversation around my birthday. And I was like, oh, there will be no. The DJ was specifically told. Yeah. No R. Kelly, because Mm-mm. I think we have to take a stand. And that's a small nothing protest. It doesn't, I didn't deny him any money. Oh, it's something. But it, it, it feels like we can't keep like protecting what? these men that abuse black girls. And so you are very clear yeah. on that, on that subject right very that's clear. not something that is ambiguous in terms of what you believe at all so i think this is a pure misunderstanding and i feel it like is. tarana should understand that jackie reed is on your side on this r kelly thing and on the side of safina i think we're all actually on the same side. we're all on the same side and yeah. that is that is the point that is what th- this whole twitter situation because supporters of sophia and supporters of tarana are coming at yeah you know the women and it's become ugly yeah. and it's all black women yeah and it's like can it's, we take that off twitter yeah can, see here take what, it off twitter i had somebody say to me and this is somebody who's a civil rights activist and they made a really good point um, or that's not a civil rights activist, but who's an, a civil rights who has studied the civil rights movement. We were having this text back and forth, and they said to me something that was really profound: is that nowadays we have so much taken the hashtag culture culture of civil rights activism and is so overtaken what we do right. that sometimes we take everything to the hashtag and to yeah. Twitter. Whereas some things like the Me Too movement are really effective as hashtag Twitter movements. We don't need to take all our beefs there. Yeah. And I think I as agree. black women, we need to get in a room Definitely. With each other. And what's unfortunate is that these two women don't even know each other. Oh, wow. They've never met. So not only do they not each other, know each other, but they really don't know the body of work of each, each other. other. And they were discovering that within this Twitter, yeah. you know, back and forth today, which is unfortunate or unfortunate because both women are They're both just extraordinary. extremely 
valuable yes. to the to what's going on with yes. black women in this country on so many levels. So I think we should have a Read This, Read That summit. We would love yes. to have Tarana Burke and Sophia Nelson together, both on the podcast. We have we will, we will bring an extra microphone. Normally yes. that's three, but we'll have four microphones. Because they're both on the East Coast. It both can happen. Both on the East Coast. We can have both of you ladies come. Let's all have Prosecco St. Germain and let's all talk. We're going to have a couple we of glasses it. first. And then we're going to let the conversation. The we're going to have our first summit. A summit. A read this, read that summit. I love it. Okay. The I Middle East it. will be next. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about your wind down. You have had. Oh, my God. Jackie Reed. Yeah, quite a day. It's been quite a day. So I am on no sleep. And, you know, we talk about my sleep a lot. Last mm-hmm. night I actually tried guided meditation because when it got to be 444, when I rolled over. Because I talked to you last night at about what? Uh, th- about 11 p.m.? 11-ish okay. p.m. Maybe a little after 11 when we had gotten home from the hospital. Put a pin in that. Um, by the time it was 444 and I was still not asleep and literally couldn't talk myself into falling asleep because my mind wouldn't stop racing, I put on um, a guided meditation tape mm-hmm. um, that I was hoping would help me. Um, and? and? didn't work <laughs> I explain guided meditation and what actually is happening what are you listening to so basically guided meditation is it is a system where a person with a very soothing voice mm-hmm. talks to you and there's music or natural sound in the background and what they're saying is i want you to let your body float i want you to feel yourself floating on a river there is sprays of, of river water flowing all around <laughs> you. See a waterfall. Be a waterfall. Really? Allow it to flow over mm. your body. That and this person actually had a soothing British accent, which is oh. fabulous. And Tara Dowdell, who is uh, my homegirl, who I think is your soror. No, no, she might be. She might not be your soror. But Tara Dowdell had given me this, my buddy Tara. Um, and she... Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> No shade. We love Tara. So Tara's we my do. girl. I love her. That's my girl. So Tara had, you know, heard about my sleep problems. And Tara said, listen, try this guided meditation. It's worked for me. So I have this guided meditation. The guy has a gorgeous British accent. Mm. He's telling you to be in a waterfall, be in a stream, you know, find all these ways you're by a mountain. <laughs> and so the problem with it, I'm afraid of deep water. So every single place this beautiful British voice tried to put me, I was terrified of. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm in a waterfall where I'm drowning. Okay, now you want me to be in a beach where I'm terrified of sharks. Now you want me to be by a cliff where I'm going to fall off of it. It was like places that, Mm. like, black girls don't go. So I just couldn't. I couldn't get with it. And so all all I did was visualize myself dying. There was one point where the beautiful guided medication. I mean, this guy's voice was amazing. And he says to me. I want you to see a butterfly (laughs) and it flutters close to your hand. You open your hand Mm. and at that moment, the butterfly lands just so ever gently into your palm. And I'm thinking, I'm terrified of bugs (laughs) and I don't want a butterfly in my hand. Wait a minute. If it were the voice of Idris Elba, would it have been different? Would it have been a different experience? Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you about the water and the butterfly, blah, 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 blah. That's what he should have said. He should have said, and then Idris Elba floats ever so gently (laughs) toward you in the stream. Look into his eyes. Look into his eyes. (laughs) 
I don't know if Jason would approve of that, but that might work better. We love uh, you, Jason. Love, and thank you, Tara, for that because I tried it. But so anyway, I, I was completely sleepless. My basically yeah. wind down is that I have had no sleep. I've been awake for 24 straight hours because yesterday was literally the day from hell. Okay. But it was the day from hell and the day from heaven. It was like good and bad stuff. So I had a very long day. Won't go into it, but had trying to deal with sort of a crisis situation, like a hacking situation yeah. I was trying to deal with. So I'm on phone call after phone call after phone call trying to deal with the hacking situation. It just so happens that as I'm trying to deal with this sort of putting out fire situation in my life life, um, I had to record a headliners uh, package for NBC, which is actually really great. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is on Elizabeth Warren. So I have to go and do this. Um, tr- voice tracking, which you right, know right. very well. Go in the booth. So while I'm already in panic mode trying to deal with a crisis, right. I then confront the two wonderful producers who need me to go and voice track. So I voice track. Then I had to get to makeup because I had to be in makeup because later on I was taking my class, which I'd rescheduled for Friday because uh, on the Wednesday of class I was out of town. Yeah. So I had to reschedule my Syracuse class to be on Friday at the Tribeca Film Festival, where I was moderating a panel of Sabrina Fulton and Tracy Martin, Trayvon Martin's parents, for a great new movie called Rest in Power Mm -hmm. that's playing on the Paramount Network in July, a fantastic documentary that I was interviewed in. So I knew I had to go and do that panel with them. My students were coming. Instead of going to class, they were going to that. But it was like back to back to right. back to back to back things. So you got a little crisis going on in the middle of a, a typical work day for typical you. Typical work day. Um, so I had been at it since like 6, 7 a.m. when I'd woken up and just, just you know going, going, going on the phone. Phone call after phone call after phone call. Meeting with my boss's boss. You know, mm. when you get the boss's boss meeting, that's Girl. a real meeting. Yes. So I'm like meetings, crazy, crazy phone calls. Go and track this thing. Get to makeup. Get out of makeup. Get in the car. There were, you know, two cars. We had to get in the right car. <laughs> then I had to get to the Tribeca Film Festival. And in the middle of all this, little Miles. Your baby. The baby. Busted up his eye. What happened? Oh. So Miles, um, who has, you know, he played soccer. He and his brother played soccer for five years when we were in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, then he played, you know, he, he's been playing basketball since he was a kid. Very good at basketball. Play basketball. This year, he suddenly decides he wants to play baseball. Oh, out boy. of nowhere. Senior in high school. Right. Suddenly out of nowhere, he wants to be a baseball player. Which is not an easy game to play. Not an easy game to play. And he's yeah. not really been a baseball player. So Miles is an outfielder now. Out of nowhere. So he's at a baseball game. A fly ball comes overhead, Jesus. he's looking up into the sun, mm. trying to catch it, and the ball beans him clean straight in the eye. Damn. Direct hit. Shatters his eye socket. Oh my God. I'm getting texts from Jason, um, who's also texting Miles's phone that his friend now has. They're trying to reach Jason and myself to let them know the ambulance is taking 25 Jesus. minutes to get this boy whose eye is bleeding and popped out of his head oh, because the fly ball hit him straight up in the eye. So now I'm feeling guilty because I'm on my way to the Tribeca Film Festival. I'm on the red carpet answering Jesus. questions and taking pictures and trying to pose properly and all in my mind I'm thinking I'm the worst mother in the world I should be heading to the hospital to be with my son thank God he has his daddy and his brother and sister are at the hospital but I'm like the only one who isn't there right but at the same time I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm on stage with Trayvon Martin's parents yeah and I'm worried about my child just being in the hospital with his eye falling out of his head and their child is dead yeah and so I have to, this is, and the, you know, it, it's interesting, the Trayvon Martin story of all the stories that I did with Black Lives Matter, and I mm-hmm. covered so many. I covered Tamir Rice, who still, I can't look at the picture of him, it, it just I can't. breaks me, right? Yeah. Um, I covered Freddie Gray, you know, we, we covered all of these stories. Michael Brown, we just, there were so many, they were so relentless in such a short time. Yeah. But I have to tell you, of all of these stories, the one that still breaks my heart 
the one that still really gets to me is Trayvon because yeah. it was the first one. It, it's the one I spent the most time in country, quote unquote, because I literally almost moved to Sanford. I right. was living in a little uh, Marriott, um, Courtyard Marriott. And you spent so much time in Florida before that. You know right. what I mean? So you have yeah. those Florida roots. My two sons, we have three children. We have our daughter and our two sons. The boys were born in Florida. We lived yeah. in Florida for 14 years. Sanford is like th- two and a half hours away from where we grew up. Trayvon literally is from Broward County where we grew up. Yeah. He's one town over is where his family lived. Mm. My best friend is friends with Sabrina, knows her. So, I mean, I sat in the church when they did the commemoration service for him, sat in the front row off to the side trying not to be on camera because it was the only way I could get to interview Sabrina because she was so distraught that she would only speak to me. They gave us 20 minutes only after church. I had to go to the service and weep for an hour and then get it together and interview her. This story... You know, Trayvon was the exact same age as my middle child, as Jamar. Yeah. So it's like this story, everything about it. It's, this is a Florida boy. I recognize Trayvon. When I see him, that's like my sons. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm here feeling terrible that I'm not with my kid. And then I see Tracy and Sabrina. And then I feel terrible that I feel terrible. So you were pretty much ripped into. It was. And then the actual film. It's called Rest in Power. It was produced by Jay-Z, executive produced by Jay-Z, um, directed by a man, woman, you know, team um, who who put their all into this. And when I tell you, Jackie Reed, this thing will break your heart. And this mm-hmm. is only part one. They played 45 minutes of it. My class went, one of my students actually emailed me after how much it affected her. Yeah. This is a young white woman. This film will break your heart because this boy was such an all-American kid. Yeah. You know, he wanted to learn to fly. He was um, taking part in this thing called Experience Aviation with Barrington Irving, who's the first African-American to circumnavigate the globe by plane. Um, Trayvon was in his program trying to be a pilot. He rode horses. He went to a really great high school. He was his daddy's you know, bestie. He was playing football. He was a real all-American boy. He was a boy America should have embraced and loved. Mm-hmm. And this iconic picture from that black and white picture in the hoodie, being able to see his last moments alive inside that 7-Eleven, It's so hard. His mom, you know, Sabrina is like one of the strongest people I've ever met. But there's something when you're when I'm with her, I just I feel like crying because the the pain on Sabrina's body is like visible. It like it, it radiates off of her. And his dad was so close to his son that he's he he's a contained like fire. You know what I mean? Like these people are broken. This was six years ago. Yeah. And they are broken by the loss of this boy. And then Javaris, who's the brother, is all they have. So, they, you know, I've been in rooms with Sabrina and Javaris and she's watching him every minute. Of course. It's her. It's her only. That's all she's got. This boy. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm feeling guilty because I'm not with my child. Mm. You know, this day has been horrible and crazy. Yeah. And then I'm like. Oh my God, I'm a terror. How can I feel guilty about not being with my child who's alive yeah. when their child is gone? Yeah. And it was like such a mix of emotions. Then it was just so good to see them. I haven't seen them in a while. And they're such lovely people. They're such wonderful parents. Can you imagine you divorce, but you co parent so exquisitely yeah. that you're both equally in your child's life yeah. after a divorce? Yeah. So these are extraordinary people. Yeah. So the whole day was so crazy. And then finally, after it was over, about 8 o'clock, I finally get to the hospital. And then, you know, Miles is there with his bloody eye. 
His eye had done fall out of his head. Was like he like, Mama? Skin. He was so doped up, huh? Girl, <laughs> he was so doped <laughs> Thank up. goodness for drugs. Thank all the drugs. <laughs> I don't even know if he knew I was there. But he was he was very doped up. But I knew he was okay when, um, before we left, he says to his sister, can you please send out my Snapchats? No. Yes, he did. Oh, my goodness. Girl, they, he wanted them Snapchats to go out. He, and he is would his not let mother's son. And so he said goodbye to us. And then he texted us at about 345 in the morning while I was, of course, still awake Mm -hmm. and said, I'm okay. Thank you, guys. I love you. And this is Miles is a tough guy. Yeah. He always tries to be like Mr. Tar, Mr. Hard, Mr. Tough, you know. And when he texted that, that he loved us. And, and, you know, and I'm awake. I was awake all night. So between all of these anxieties, I literally have not slept. Oh, my God. And then I put on the guided meditation at 444 a.m. And nothing. Didn't work. I had to get up at 5.15. We have got to find a way to get you to sleep. I'm cool because after a day like that, oh, my God, and the mom guilt. Mom guilt, Ooh. you know, just just existential pain of just knowing what we, you know, the, the, the case that I think is the most analogous in a way to Trayvon is Emmett Till. Yeah. This is a person who was essentially just murdered by a civilian, not even a cop. Yeah. I mean, so that case, it just... Something about that. And the Tamir Rice case has a similar effect on I me. Mean, if I see his face. Yeah, I can't with Tamir Rice. I just have to look away. It, I, You know, but then I have to. But I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to look away. We yeah. have to look. We need to look at what we're doing to our, our children. We're yeah. killing our children. Yeah. yeah. And we're not doing it. But we're people are killing our children with impunity. It can't go on. Uh, but the thing is, the amazing thing about this, and I know we're getting the rap signal, so I'll go from there. Because, you know, when, when you see something like what happens at, at, at Starbucks, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later with our guest. But it's like we have to kind of take these experiences whether they happen directly to us like the Starbucks moment yes. or or the or seeing the Trayvon Martin which is African Americans impacts us so deeply yes and just kind of you know rise to the occasion yeah get up and go to work yep get up and you know make breakfast for our kids yep. you know just get up and go through our day and kind of move beyond it and compartmentalize it just kind of put it in a back pocket and just move on from it but that stuff that baggage it just grows and grows and grows it does and as journalists we have to cover it you do it takes a toll (laughs) it does but and which is why and this is a perfect pivot why things like Baychella Mm-hmm. are so important because just seeing black joy i get I so happy seeing joyful black people i do and, too. and i think before the trayvon martin case and before all of the black lives matter cases i think i already you know i love seeing people happy but ever since those i have to tell you seeing joyful black people especially young joyful black people makes me so just deep down bone deep happy I'll cry just watching happy black kids dancing. Right. It's not that it's not just that. It's just but just um also celebrating moments like the the kid who got all these offers from these different colleges. And you know, people like or or the girl um I, I can't think of her name who did the Beyonce dance and I sent you the video the of that. Dance girl? That's dance girl. Beyonce. Beyonce is her that. name. But we can we can, mm. we're gonna talk about all of that in she our that. in our Let's Talk segment. But I just celebrate moments when they are first black this or something happy. The, the Girl Scout cookie with she and her dad making yes. a rap about selling Girl Scout cookies. That's why we celebrate those Jay-Z moments so much. A Don't even get Kendrick me started. Lamar winning a Pulitzer Prize, we're baby. gonna talk about it all next. So it is time to talk, dear cousin, the season finale of The Walking Dead Mm. and the season premiere of season four of Fear the Walking Dead. Let's talk about it. It was great. Um, I have to say that 
okay, the moment for me in The Walking Dead where, and I know you had to go to the old lady party, so I don't know what <laughs> Clive Davis was at that party. <gasps> really? Old lady, old man Sarah party. Sarah Bareilles was at that party. Oh, I love Sarah Bareilles. It was Did old... you stay the whole time? Child, we stayed. We shut it down. Your you... friend Jason and I messed him up because I didn't see, because it was in really small print, that it was um, black tie. Oh. So he might not have been in black tie. We were not in black tie. But we had the best time. And these Good. two people, they are 90 and fair. This lady is 90 and all of that. Oh. I won't say any more. Okay, so it was a fabulous party. So you fabulous. did not get to watch The Walking Dead no. and then Fear the Walking Dead live. Miles and I watched it later. We watched it later. We love you, Miles. Oh, no. um, okay, so I have to say for me, the biggest moment, no, two biggest moments, Eugene finally came the fuck through. I thought I was going to lose it. I was standing up in my apartment, yes. fist raised, like, yes, yes. finally, yes. Eugene does something of significance. Once in his life. Oh. Finally. I still Christ don't know sake. if I want them to let him back in the fold. I don't. I think they should do like they did with Carol. Yes. Seasons back. Yes. You know what? Thank you. Yes. Pack him up and send him out there. But if they do that, he is very talented. Yeah. They will send him back into the arms, possibly, but they'll probably kill him over on, you know, with the saviors. Yeah. Um, and then the killing of Negan, killing? which didn't happen. Okay, thank you. He sliced his throat. Give me a break. And then he's like, medic. And then they decide to save him. I am sorry, but you're in an apocalypse. You're not in a hospital. Who survives a throat slashing? Thank you. Even if you have a doctor on hand who's working with his bare hands, Mm -hmm. there are no materials for him to work with. There's no operating room. There's no suture, scalpel, this, that. There's none of that. But he saved him. So, so now Negan lives. I'm very upset about that. Very upset about it. The worst character ever in The Walking Dead the worst. The governor was a campy sort of weird villain. Yeah. The people who were cannibals, weird, but they were limited time only, honey. Yeah. They seem to want to keep Negan around forever. I hate this character. It's the comic I book. I want him gone. It's the comic book. In the no. comic book, he lives and he and Rick come together. No. Yes, that's Never. what happens. In- nope, 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 nope. That's nope. what they're doing. Never. But I don't think it has to happen this way in the show. It doesn't have to happen. You don't have to follow the comics. And by the way, you cannot redeem a character who bashed two major characters. Who killed Glenn Glenn. and Abraham. You killed Glenn and Abraham. You bashed them in the head with a bat. You never get redeemed. You don't get to be friends. I I don't care what Coral said. You're not going to (laughs) be friends with him. Kill him. Kill him. I'm with Maggie and I'm glad she's leading this revolt. And I hope they sneak into whatever jail cell or wherever they're keeping Negan and they kill him. And by the way, for Hmm. those of you who are trying to be purist to the book, Daryl, who's the character that was I would never in the, the comic books, the earth. exactly was never in, in the, the comic books. books, right? And I don't think that they killed Carl in the comic Not books. Not like that. So no, so they're they're you know they have the liberty yes. to kind of create their own storyline yes. in the actual television no, show. No shade. So I don't know who is deciding to keep Negan Either alive. Jeffrey Dean Mar- Morgan has naked pictures of the executive <laughs> producers. I don't know what's happening, <laughs> but I will not watch another season of The Walking Dead with Negan in it. It's Sorry, like, who is he sleeping? Me. Meanwhile, Fear the Walking Dead Excellent. was amazing. amazing. Morgan made his crossover. Yes. We're not going to talk about the whole time lapse situation because that's crazy. Um, yeah, because now at the timeline, see, I always thought Fear the Walking Dead was 
previous to The Walking Dead, but now it, it is. Seems it it's- was. It was. It, I've read. You know, it's kind of up in the air about how far. Um, ahead, The Walking Dead is a fear The Walking Dead as far as time. Supposedly, it's supposed to be like two years before The Walking Dead. Mm. So, right, The Walking Dead, when it starts, the apocalypse is already underway. With Fear of The Walking Dead, we see it actually start. unfolding. We see it start. Then it, then how can Morgan be leaving The Walking Dead world and going to Fear The Walking Dead if they're before because what the creator said was we took a little liberty mm-hmm. but there when we see morgan leave the walking dead where he's staying you know in the trash heap or whatever he decides to he's going to just leave and the time it takes for him to leave and for them to get to the point where he meets the characters of fear the walking dead the yeah. new characters there's supposed to be a significant amount of time. Oh, so it takes him like two years essentially to get to there's, the West Coast. They're not putting a number on it, but they're saying that that's what get what I eats see. up that time. And then on Fear the Walking Dead, when you see, um, um, I can't, I'm not even thinking of the, but the characters that we've known over the past three seasons, sure. yeah. when we see them for the first time Nick in this them. first mm-hmm. episode, yeah. they have also aged. Yes. There's ah. been a lot of time that that's passed. Got so it. that's the way that they'll try to they deal with it. it well, I liked it. I liked it a and lot. I now I'm with you now. I like Fear the Walking Dead better than The Walking Dead. And I am a Walking Dead fanatic. Yeah. But my Fear the Walking Dead, show. I have been saying. And now, but now this season, season four, Fear the Walking Dead is yeah. going to be very different. Oh, no. Morgan's my favorite. They're going to show zombies in a very different light. We're going to see backstories of zombies. Ooh. Um we had Garrett Dillahunt, who plays one of the first characters that Morgan meets on Fear the Walking Dead, yeah. the gunslinger. Yes. He was on um, my television show, uh, New York Live, you this get week. everybody. Girl, and it was so amazing to have him because you fall in love with him. And he says, and I'm saying to him, you seem like such a good guy on the show. Are you really a good guy? He said, listen, this season of this show represents hope. He said, mm. so you have to believe that this guy is a good guy. That's what I want in the, and that's what I've lost. That's in the what walking you lose. Dead. It would, is yep. it in the walk? It dead, seemed hopeless. Yes. They're and never going to win. Never going to win. They always lose. Despair always wins. The bad guys always triumph. Yep. Negan always wins. That's why I don't enjoy the walking dead anymore because it, you never feel hope for our people yeah definitely okay well let's, let's move, move on. on let's scandal. talk about scandal it is over yeah it's over so the the series finale aired this thursday yes. for all the gladiators and there are a lot of us gladiators i am one of them i was an original gladiator but i left it about season four the because season. the season you know i i kind of stayed through that but then after that it just kind of got away from yeah. what it was originally Indeed. and i don't understand why yeah. but i said you know what i owe them going back absolutely to the final episode and i watched it and i do have to say i didn't like it I didn't like the show. It was uh, yeah. terrible. A lot of people felt that way. And I watched it last night since I wasn't asleep anyway. Uh, I figured I would just go ahead and watch it. And I've missed like probably half a dozen episodes. And yeah. the, the the mark of an episode that isn't the greatest is that when I didn't feel like I missed anything. Yeah. I knew what Cyrus had done. I knew sort of what the plot was. I'd seen a couple of the episodes this season. My problem with this series, and I love Scandal. Let's start with that. Carrie Washington 
she, you know, I will recognize her as my president. If she tells me she's president, I recognize that. Yeah, and, it, and it was groundbreaking okay. in that it totally. brought back a woman, a black woman, as a lead in yes. a drama after decades of totally. not having that. And it opened the doors yes. for Empire yes. and for so many other shows, you know, yes. How to Get Away with Murder oh, and yes. countless shows. Shonda's a genius. Do that. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and with what she did with yes. Twitter and how we live tweet with shows, That's right. that started with Scandal. It did. And they saved the show with it. And so I love the show. Yeah. I love her interactions with Tony Goldwyn, who's I a do. wonderful guy. Great Such chemistry. a nice man um, met him at the Democratic National Convention. He's quite good looking in person, he by is. the way. He's yeah. a good looking man. He was on our show, and I have to say, I swooned. He is a tall glass of, of leche. Yeah. And I have to throw this in there before you continue. Scandal also opened the door for flawed women because yes. here was a powerful, dynamic woman who was having an affair with a married man. Yes. You know what I mean? And. And she was likable. It flipped the Sally Hemings story and gave her power. Girl. And by the way, um, Papa Pope was iconic. I can't. Iconic. Yeah. But the reality is I think it ended, like a lot of series, Lost had that problem where it was so Sopranos. good. Sopranos. Sopranos. Where so many shows. Where it's very hard to end a show. Seinfeld. Seinfeld. They all sort of end with a whimper. Yeah. So that, it didn't end that great, but I'm glad it existed and I really respect Shonda Rhimes. I do. Cheers. Cheers to Shonda. Glasses clink, up to clink, her. Clink, yes. Clink, clink. clink. Okay, so let's talk about a little cultural appropriation, shall we? Let's talk about, we we only have a minute to talk about Taylor Swift and Britney Spears. So Taylor did a cover of Earth, Wind, and Fire September. Britney Spears did Aretha Franklin, I don't even know. Do you remember? Down, 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 down. And she changed it to the 28th. September. Down, 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 down. No! Hate crime. (laughs) Hate crime. Here's the thing. You know, people cover what they want. People cover songs. People have been covering songs for years. But to me as a musician, if you don't know the history of cultural appropriation when it comes to black music, right, then... To me, you do a disservice, not only to yourself, but to your fans. Correct. If Taylor Swift or Britney Spears want to do covers of, you know, Earth, Wind, the greats, like African, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire and Aretha Franklin, then Mm -hmm. try to take a moment to, you know, with all of your influence, Mm -hmm. create some scholarships for black and black musicians. Start a record record label where you sign some black musicians. Um... You know, it, it, do something more to show that you actual under actually understand the culture, yeah, or you care about the culture that you're stealing, and from. also understand what the song was meant to convey. Because September is such a joyful song to slow it down and make it into a banjo ballad. There are songs you can do that with. One of my favorite songs, actually. Um, it, and I'm not a huge country music fan. See, I um, am. I like country music. I do have to say. Yeah, but there is like Lady a, Antebellum is my favorite. I do like Lady Antebellum. Um, but then you're a country music fan. I well, yeah. There, <laughs> I don't really love it. I don't love country music. But there is a song by Sturgill Simpson. Okay, and this is a guy who it's not you know he's like a traditional country artist. You remember the song? There was like an '80s jam. I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of the ride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. Sturgill Simpson took that song and he slowed that joint down. And when I tell you this song is sexy, run away, run away, have you heard Michelle? Indi- I never hear right. Indigitello. Indigitello. Have you heard her new album? No, I want to. Ventriloquism, where she covers. All of these '90s hits, Ooh, like I sensitivity. Hear that. What? Shades? Is it a crime? It I'm downloading it now. Oh, it's crazy. 
downloading it right now. Yeah. Our guest Don't is disturb in the, this groove. She does. You know one's my favorite songs? Hang a sign up on this door. That's, saying, one, of my, that's, that's like one of my favorite, my favorite songs. Song. Oh, my God. My favorite song. Do you remember that song, Ghetto Heaven? No. Am I the only person who remembers that? You know I love my baby. Uh-uh. My baby loves me. Who sang this? You remember that song, The no. Family Stand? No. Day it gets so heavy. Uh-uh. Need a little company. No. You remember that? No. Ghetto Heaven? No. It's quarter to 11. No. Time to get some ghetto heaven. Marvette See, Rito in the know. studio, <laughs> and she knows the song. She knows. Jackie. Hey, boo. Okay, so our guest today is Marvette Brito from the Brito Agency. PR extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. <laughs> PR oh. expert to the publicist, to the stars. To the stars. Um, she is here because we, uh, Marvette, how are you? I'm really good. You look amazing. I, I, thank you. I see you have tea, but we, we have... We the A-T. By the way, she was on the show this morning. She was on AM Joy. You, the one we do it, we put you in there. You walked in there. It was black girl magic. It was. All it was a great up. segment. Well, I, I just... I said. Black. Well, I, I did say to Danielle and the ladies that Joy is the Harriet Tubman of making sure that the hair and makeup... I mean, I've been doing yeah. on-camera work for almost 24 years, mm-hmm. and literally have never seen a make a hair and makeup room filled with women of color. Right. And that that is a deliberate act. And, yes, and it you is. shouldn't take that. And it was not easy to make it happen. I'm no, it, sure was it wasn't. Because in twenty eighteen, I'm in many makeup rooms and there has never been and still isn't a makeup room as diverse as MSNBC, and can I so, tell you, so and that is because Reed, it's yeah. because of we that's because Durant, yeah, and we Jackie did. Jackie was there yeah. the day that we started this, which was Jackie and I. I was I was complaining to Jackie as I often did right. about my hair falling out and problems that I was having. And Tamron Hall walked up on Jackie and I having a conversation, and uh, Tamron went straight Malcolm X. It was like, right. hold yeah. on a second, no. And the three of us, it was three black women, yeah. walked into a black woman's office and said. We need help. This has got to change because right. Tamron, when she was here with the Today Show, would not let them do her hair. She did, of her, she did her own hair. Mm-hmm. And to this day, there are moments when I walk into my hair and makeup room and if there's a substitute um, filling in for the regular people, I have the first thing I say is, okay, do you know how to do black hair? Right. Yeah. And, it, and you know, people will tell you yes. And about two minutes into them trying to style your hair, you can tell yeah. that they, they know what they're doing. I'm like, no, no. I yeah. got it. I'll do but, it myself. And, it yep. still happened. And it but had, you look fabulous. Thank you. Look you. Fabulous. And you were great <laughs> on AM Joy this morning. Thank it was a great you. discussion. And it's why we wanted to have you here to talk about this whole Starbucks situation Ugh. and just the PR nightmare that Starbucks is having. Because the way that they mishandled this situation, um, it just, to me, it just went from bad to worse. I, I And I don't know now if them closing their stores um, to do you know, uh, training with their staff across the country. They're going to close all their stores. I think for one day they're doing this, Marvin. May 29th. And that's going to make up for it because, as we were saying, you know, I, I can't. I, I just, I'm, I'm so upset about Starbucks. this. And, and can I just, if you if you don't hang out in Starbucks a lot, you know, when I lived in Florida, I was there for 14 years. I used to be freelance. I spent all day in Starbucks Who sipping on one do coffee. It? Who hasn't yeah. done it? It was just this woman, this particular manager, this white woman who felt some kind of way. And the fact, and your guest alluded to this this morning, that she felt like, you know what, I'm bothered by these two black men that are in my restaurant, so I'm going to call the police. And that they respond to this call. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this, first of all, we have to look at not just the act, but the reaction. Yeah. Right. And so what struck me 
and and struck me hard was the speed upon which she made the call. Yeah, two minutes. It felt very, it really felt very personal and very mm-hmm. deliberate, right? Mm-hmm. Two two minutes, it, it, and to your point. Starbucks was birthed and was successful because it created a culture of community around coffee. Right. And and does that mean that you know the coffee you want the minute you walk in the door? Not necessarily. No. You may walk in the door and need to use the bathroom before you order the coffee. That's right. Right. So where in the phone call did she feel that these two black men were a threat to what 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 and a what was to what, what right but that's the point. When you call the police, the police are there to, to serve and protect when people feel threatened right. or violated. Right. And so the what we have to look at within all of this is the morals and the values within the heart of the woman who placed the call. Exactly. Yeah. And right? not only that, but if you think about it, and Jason Johnson was on with you this morning, made the point, and Heather McGee was on with you as well, is that here's the issue is that when white people feel uncomfortable with black people in their presence there is this reflex that i'm going to call the police which is essentially a threat because if the police show up what we face is the risk of arrest or death or death absolutely so it's essentially a death but how that situation escalated to what it did to the police showing up in the numbers that they did right or five or six officers for two guys, and that they, but, that these men are handcuffed, yes. and taken into and custody, like realtors or something. For no matter and, what and, they did and, for a living, and the <sighs> and the problem with that too is that Starbucks isn't franchised. So so there's an ethos, a company ethos, yeah. and, and a value system that very much has to live within the top tier management and trickle down to employees, yeah. because every person is either an asset or a liability to enterprise. Every yeah. person who works somewhere. Mm-hmm. So the issue with that too is. You know, everyone living in America, much better, let's go even deeper than America, the world understands the sensitive environment culturally that we all are living in. Right. So yeah. Yeah. to me, that's why I feel like it was personal because she knew what the end result of that phone call would be. She was very calm when she placed it, yeah. but she knew. And, and and another thing that struck me is that the men were not combative. They were not abusive they were not unruly they were in shock yeah do you know what i mean and they conformed and complied so and still taken into custody absolutely how does the how did the police show up in that situation and not say to themselves clearly this was an overreaction yep on the on the on behalf of the woman who made this phone call these men aren't doing anything. You know what? If you could just leave the store yep. or if you could just what it did not have to end up with the two of them being handcuffed. I will never understand that. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, but, but it I, was based on this woman being upset. Yes. Because these men were in, these gentlemen, she called them. Yes. In this store and they're not ordering and they won't leave. But you have to understand, too, Jackie, what? that, you know, bl- black people, we don't have the complexion for the protection. So we uh. don't have the ability to defy what is a, a, a rule or a guideline or a, uh, you know, a, 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 a principle or a whatever Starbucks wants to say that they defied. We don't have the luxury right. just by virtue of the color of our skin yep. to challenge certain things because to your point on the show if it let's just talk about branding 
Branding is anything you do consistently and deliberately right. day after day, time after time, which means your your principles and your guidelines and rules can't be conditional. Mm-hmm. They have to be consistent. Yeah. So you can't change your baby. Right. Without buying coffee, if I can't use the restroom without buying coffee, it has to be consistent. And people do it. When I tell you that people would come into Starbucks when I was in Florida and I used to be freelance, you know, Jason was working, um, you know, a a great job at Discovery Channel and I was freelance. You know, we flip flopped. Right. He was he I was freelance. And sometimes being freelance and working from home, you can go a little stir crazy. Right. Because you're in the house and I'm working from my home office. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. And I would literally go and work in Starbucks all day. Right. So all right. day. So my sipping on a cup of coffee while people came in and women changed their babies in the restroom and left. Or people just came and sat and had came meetings. And sat or wrote and novels drank water. And drank water and wrote books. Yeah. So my so so the point goes back to that you you have created this culture though. Yes. Remember, when Starbucks entered into the coffee game, they were disruptors, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Normally, you would buy your coffee and and keep it moving. moving. Now, they want to To create a a, a culture of community. That's right. And people do use and abuse their real estate and their restrooms for for a $10 latte. Their Wi-Fi. People would literally go. I remember having so many meetings at Starbucks when when I was saying, I don't want people to meet in my home necessarily. When you're freelance, you don't necessarily want everyone coming to your house. So my meetings would mainly be at Starbucks. So if I had a meeting with a potential client we meet at starbucks now sometimes they would want coffee sometimes they didn't sometimes it's me sipping on my same cup of coffee so the idea that just black people in the space and i remember tweeting that the thing about being black is that you can't be benign you always are conspicuous your presence is conspicuous just by you being there absolutely whereas to be white is to be inconspicuous that you can come into the space sit down with your laptop and write your novel and no one notices your presence No one notes your presence. Well, for me, too, um, it it is the culture that so many companies, a Starbucks and beyond that, allow to the the culture that they allow to exist, the thinking that they allow to exist by not taking a stand when it comes to issues of diversity. I'll tell you a a quick story about something that happened to me here at NBC, Um, a coworker of mine was upset, and I, just for the sake of time, I won't go into the into details. But I commented on uh, on Facebook on something that she did, giving her a compliment. Right? I was on sick leave because my lung had collapsed, so I was in the hospital. My, this woman saw what I posted on Facebook, was offended by it, took it to our manager, who then took it to his boss, what? who then took it to the general manager of WNBC. They never called me, never said anything to me about it because I'm in the hospital, right? And it it escalated to all of this over something that I was saying over a recipe and a compliment. But I say all that to say, you know, this this fellow employee um, who's white had an issue with my response or something that I posted on social media. It got all the way up to the general manager oh my God. of our company. And I never had a moment to say, oh, that's not what I meant. They right. never came to me, which put my job Absolutely. in jeopardy. I have to tell you, you know, and Marvin, this is the question, because Starbucks is going to have this training. They're going to Heather McGee and some other really smart people. Eric Holder is involved in it that are advising them on what to train people. How do you train white America not to respond to our benign presence 
by escalating by it escalating all something. the way to management or to 911 you, you can't because we are a country and in, in, in a in a world and a culture where mar- the marginalization of black people has existed for decades so you we're n- we great try Starbucks but you're yeah. not going to be able to undo years and years and years of oppressive behavior that has been tolerated largely with one training session. It just isn't going to happen. So until we come together as a people of color, as black people and understand that marginalization and begin to yield our financial power in ways Mm. that last beyond one boycott and and one movement, one singular movement and make it a collective of movements so that they know we're serious because this is just the results and the the residue of decades of entitlement do you think yeah. the boycott is effective or do you think like some people have said you know jamil smith has a really smart piece up as well jason johnson is great but jamil says maybe a boycott is the opposite of effective because maybe our presence is what's needed not our absence absolutely it's our presence that's needed and our presence with a plan yeah. we have to be present on purpose instead of because remember these boycotts happen but what happened to pepsi what yes. happened to h&m right. what it happened to off. the repetition and the frequency and when you upon say which H&M, you mean the stove you Just know in case. Be exactly clear. we gotta but, be clear but, but the, the frequency and the repetition is what we've got to be concerned with yeah. we're here today talking about starbucks we're going to be here next week talking about blank Someone something else because it will continue what would you have done if starbucks called you um the day let's say this happened and they called you that night to say what should we do what would you um as a public a PR expert have advised them to do to better handle this because they mishandled it. They well, did. I think that they being proactive. I mean, remember this blindsided even Starbucks because I believe that they consider themselves a socially conscious brand right. and a brand that, you know, we send you to college and <laughs> yeah. we do all these things. They write and like cute things on the cups. Absolutely. So, so <laughs> I, I really still do not believe that you can judge an entire brand by the infraction of one employee if they don't know because it's impossible to know the heart of every employee I can't know the real heart of every person who even works for me because revelation is not revelation until it's revealed so for for this instance I think it's important also for us to have heard from the employee she needs to be standing with the CEO, we need to hear an apology from her yeah. because this started right away. Absolutely. Because yeah. there really isn't any training or retraining. Because, again, what's significant to note in this is the time yes. you're talking about 120 seconds. Yeah. That's how long it took her. It had to take her at least 60 of those seconds to figure out where the phone was and place the call. (laughs) So that means that it was less time. And so, again, it felt personal. It felt like, how dare you not listen to me? How dare you be defiant to an order I gave you? So that that's what this is really more centered in is is their disobedient black men. How dare you be disobedient to my word, to my directive? That's all this was. And I have to ask both of you this question because. Because I have to tell you, we had a, an incident on in my town. Because like I said, I live in Undentified, Brooklyn. And we had a young woman who was killed by her husband. Um, and my husband and I remember seeing this couple. And I remember seeing them walking down the street fighting. Like yelling and screaming at each other. Him screaming at her. And I felt so guilty after he ended up killing her. Um, that I never call the police. Because I'm so afraid to call the police 
on black people. Yeah. I, I have this sort of real fear of calling the cops because my sort of thinking is I will only call the police on this black person if I'm willing to see them die. Right. Because my thinking is when the police come and it's a black person, this person is at imminent risk of death. Which Absolutely. is messed up because as a people, it, it, it allows, um, you know, and this may seem extreme to a lot of people, but it allows things like an R. Kelly to exist. To exist. Because people don't want to, you know, oh, he's being taken advantage by the justice system. This is just the man yeah. trying to take him down. You know, it, we all deal with situations like that. But sometimes, you know, a crime is a crime. This right. was not a crime. No. But but we as black people, we like to incubate our own. Yes. right? Because we know the, the abuse. And we know the misrepresentations that have happened over and over and over again. So we are reluctant to place a call unless we feel like there just is no other option. But we have to really, as a community, come together and figure out how do we create a a response to the symptoms that continue without to your point, Joy, feeling as though because context is everything. And I think that's something that. Everyone has to factor into you can't just generally look at a situation without knowing the context Mm -hmm. to your point. Police need to be educated and trained on context. Yeah. Right. So when you show up in a neighborhood, if you get a call about a burglary, what's the context of maybe why that young man is there? Could he be possibly living there? Could he be context is everything. But when they they don't do that enough automatically the context is threat. Well, but Jackie, I'm threatened. But Jackie, you ha- and, and, and both, both of you are working in media where you know that there is a different narrative written. There are different words used yep. for people of color. We know that. So, yep. so if we don't take ownership in media that will help to reshape that narrative, i.e., you know, mentally disturbed versus thug, yeah. i.e., that's very, and, and years of that conditioning, yeah. Years of seeing black people marginalized, marginalized when you look at television and when you look, listen to radio, when you look in magazines and when you look at people being oppressed, people buy into that. And yep. they believe that that is truthful representations. And we know it isn't. But the yeah. problem is there aren't enough media outlets. There aren't enough opportunities, which is why your voices are important to change that narrative. Well, what's the, on, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, because then you end up with a Saheed vessel in my neighborhood in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, where everybody in the neighborhood knew him, but the gentrified people didn't. Yeah. And so you have a disturbed man pointing a shower head at people. And in the neighborhood, they're like, that's Saheed. He's He's bipolar, but then the new people call the police on him. Immediately their reaction is 911 and he's now dead. And so it's like we have the situation where, to your point, Jackie, we're afraid to call the police even when we think we see a couple who are fighting and where she's in danger and you don't know what to do. I feel paralyzed when I see a black man doing something I think is wrong because I don't know what to do. I don't want him to die. So it's like if I don't want to see a black man dead, I can't call. Now, I'm so afraid to call the police. Yeah. I mean, my fear of police. I'm not afraid of a lot, but I am damn scared of cops because I, you know, my God, my God brother is a retired cop. Mm. They know they can kill you with impunity. Don't know this, that they know 
they can kill you. But what's what's more dangerous is that when when you see, you know, I, I born in the north, grew up in the south. In the south, the the heart of an individual is very apparent. They don't hide it. In the north, it's a little more Shaded. exactly yeah. called other things. This we have a president that has peeled back the layer and have given people the license to allow their um, biases and, and and their true feelings to shine through. So again, it is definitely bigger than Starbucks. It is, you know, this border wall is about, you know, we we don't want, we making America great again is just a great brand term for saying to keep America white. Yeah. So until we really look at all of those things happening right under our, our, our right in our faces, it we have to really try to prescribe a way that we can really bring some sort of real change. Otherwise, we'll be having these conversations, you know, we well into. And, and and more, you know, more white people who see themselves as liberal, but really are not. Um, they think that they are. And a lot of them are in this media profession. You know what I mean? They don't they don't want to acknowledge the words that they use to describe African-American. You know what I mean? African-Americans in certain news stories, the fact that they only show us in a not only, but yes. often show us in a negative light and don't want to highlight positive things that we do equally. Rarely. Rarely. Um, rarely. But, you know, I, I, I want to say a shout out, if I can, to the white woman that took the video. And, and was saying something. Yes. And the people and, in the and store. And the people in the store who said something. More white people need to stand up because they see what's happening. They know what's happening to people of, co- of, of color. They see it and they just stay silent. Yep. You know, it's like we were talking about cultural appropriation. They want to sing along with Kendrick Lamar. They want to know all the lyrics and rap them. But they don't want to be in touch with or speak out about What's happening behind those lyrics? But what's what really that, going what on? What does that with tell people? you about them? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. It's, it says a lot about it, them, and that is my problem. You know, don't sing those rap lyrics if you're not going to stand up and say something on your social media about what happened at Starbucks. Miss yep. me all day with that. Yeah, I can't. Well, I'm they sorry. love our culture, but they don't. They, they don't, don't love, love us. us. They don't love. They us. don't love us. Yeah, they, they, they love the culture. They want to be cool. And, you know, by singing, by knowing all the lyrics to this, but they don't want to be in touch with our actual struggle. Right. I have a yeah. problem with that. Right. Because it's because it's that. art, that's art to them. Yeah. But the reality of of, of the, what's behind that art and pain, mm-hmm. they want no they part dismiss. of. They dismiss. They want no part of. And right. they don't want to know anything about. Right. Yeah, don't get true. me started. OK. No, all right. No. Marvette, you are a delight. Thank we you for being you. here. You have Thank to come you. back. Anytime. You have to come this back. This was a true pleasure. Thank you. Honor to be here. Show. We it talked was about a lot, a of, lot stuff. of stuff. A lot of stuff. Well, I want you guys to make sure that you follow us on media on Facebook and Instagram at Read This Read That on Twitter. You leave off the last T for saving. <laughs> Somebody asked on Twitter, I'm a new follower. What does that mean, leaving off the T for saving? Read I said, girl, we're just having fun. I said, we didn't have enough character. We had too many characters. Too many characters. Thanks to our friend Marvette Brito for joining us today. We love you. Follow her on social media, Instagram and Twitter. It's at Marvette with one T. Yeah. Uh, Brito, two T's. Facebook, Marvette, one T. Brito, two T's. Yeah. Um, follow Joanne on, and us on social media. You said that already. Be sure to tune in to AM Joy this Saturday and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's next Saturday and Sunday. Um, and I won't ask you about your, who your guests are because they're always Ciao. fabulous people. It's probably Trump's tweets. Uh, be sure to watch, listen to Jackie Reed on the Tom Joyner Morning Show every Tuesday and Friday at 8.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also on New York's New York Live, NBC's New York Live, weekdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
And if you happen to be in Boston, Boston you can catch Cousin Jackie Reed at NBC's The Hub Today weekdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's our show, you guys. You. Be sure to find us on iTunes and elsewhere. Yeah. Subscribe. And stop calling 911 for bullshit. Yes. Unless it's on R. Kelly. Then call 911. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we said we'd be forever.